Support for this podcast comes from Planned Parenthood. It's hard to imagine a world where we leave future generations with fewer rights and freedoms. Since the Supreme Court's decision to overturn Roe v. Wade, politicians in nearly every state have introduced bills aimed at blocking people from getting the essential sexual and reproductive care they need, including abortion. Planned Parenthood believes everyone deserves access to care. And with supporters like you, they can reclaim our rights and protect and expand access to abortion care. Visit PlannedParenthood.org future to learn more and support their cause. There are many different paths you can take, but there's only one road to Atlanta. The high drive deep out to left field. He clubbed it. Brady twisting and turning, looking up and giving up. It's a home run for Danby Swanson. Flair out towards shallow right. That's big trouble. Albies going back. He dives and he makes the catch. What a play, Ozzy Albies. Swanson is headed for three. He'll try for an inside the parker. Relay throw comes toward the plate. He'll score standing, and it's his second inside the park home run of the season. This is your weekly podcast dedicated to the Atlanta Braves farm system. Follow the show on Twitter at Road, the number two, Atlanta. Now, hit the road with your hosts, Eric Cole, Gaurav Vidak, and Garrett Spain. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Road to Atlanta, a podcast devoted solely to the Braves farm system and Braves prospects. I am one of your hosts, Ed Kroll. You may recognize me from my work over on TalkingChop.com, where I've been the part of the staff since 2015, and I've been the deputy sites manager since 2018. Joining me on this special Gwinnett Stripers kind of closing thoughts on their roster show, you may follow him on Twitter at BravesMILB. Garrett Spain joins me yet again. Garrett, what's going on, man? Yeah, man, I'm, uh, it's wild now. The season's over and I'm just like, what do I do with myself? It's going to be a, luckily we have the playoffs still, but it, and the Arizona Fall League, which we will be covering, by the way, but, um, it's going to be a, it's going to be very weird for the next couple of weeks figuring out what to do with all the extra time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's been a, it's, it's always kind of weird that first couple of weeks because you're like, okay, I need to get on the, looking on, make sure the recaps are done and then I'm, like, wait, nope, never mind, no, I don't. Uh, so it's it, it's been kind of a wild time. Obviously, the, the Gwinnett Strippers was the last team to be done. Uh, this year, the for whatever reason, the they decided to have the AAA clubs play an extra uh, couple weeks beyond the regular minor league schedule, and they have finished up that schedule. So now we are officially without minor league baseball for the rest of 2021. And we're going to decide to end – we're going to start our kind of off-season coverage – with the last team to finish, which is going to be the Gwinnett Stripers, and kind of talking about their roster, what our thoughts are about the team, and kind of breaking down some of the players that you know we're kind of really keeping a close eye on. But we do have some news first. Uh, first is actually news that I reported, uh, which was uh, a, a kind of a lovely turn of events this week. Spencer Strider was called up to the major leagues, which means that he has appeared at every level of the Braves organization this year. It, assuming that you're kind of discount rookie, uh, kind of complex ball, and even then. He was like doing some work down there with those guys before he started the year at Augusta. So Garrett Spencer made a very, very short, just one relief appearance at Gwinnett gets called up to the big leagues. It seems like that they don't make that move unless he is in line for a playoff postseason spot. Now he also was called up with Dylan Lee. That seems like, you know, 
again, maybe a little bit of an audition scene if they have something else there, maybe giving some of their other bullpen arms rest too. It seems though that with a guy, a cow, a prospect of the caliber of Strider, that they don't make that move to call him up unless they are really strongly considering for the postseason roster. So talk to us a little bit about Strider, what he looked like, what your thoughts were about the promotion. I'm, I think that we are all, all agree that we were really, really surprised considering that he started the year at low A. And our surprise about him started, you know, very early on this year, given how good he was versus what our expectations were. So talk to me a little bit about Spencer. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about him all year about kind of his journey here. I mean, I, I think when they put him in the bullpen and Gwinnett, it was kind of, I don't know if it was obvious what they were doing, but it was definitely a let's see what we got here kind of situation, right? Where like, and, where it's like they're not giving him one or two extra innings at Gwinnett for like a week. They're not doing that because they he they think he needs the extra work. They're doing that because they're seeing what he looks like out of the bullpen. And they obviously – if they didn't intend – if they did not think that he was one of their best pitchers, they would not have gone ahead and burned a 40-man roster spot on him, stuff like that. And so I think he definitely – they definitely would like for him to – get into that role and I think that he, he I thought he pitched well in Atlanta I mean the numbers aren't spectacular he didn't strike anybody out but he was going up against some tough bats kind of a weird part of the lineup where there were a bunch of lefties but pitching wise his location was good the home run he gave up was a pitch that was a few inches off the plate inside that was a really really good pitch and a pitch that's where he wanted that pitch so it's the numbers don't like jump off the page but if you watch the starts it was clear that he was much better than those numbers and he pitched well and I I personally would trust him more in the bullpen than a guy like Edgar Santana or Sean Newcomb you know those type of guys and if there might be a time this postseason where with presumably Ian Anderson and Oscar Noah making starts in the first round assuming they get to four games there's a being how they pitch there's a fairly good chance that at one point, one of those guys is only going to go three or four innings because they're both can have inefficient days. And if that happens, it would be great to have a guy like Strider that can go an inning or two and pitch really, really well in that kind of role and who has been a starter all year. And I think I would, I would like to have him on the postseason roster. And I think that he would help the team. I, I don't think that he would be like a game changing addition to the roster, but I think he's on the, he's getting an audition because they think he could help the team. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, Strider, in, in his first look at Gwinnett, he was throwing over 100 out of the bullpen. That certainly got the Braves' attention. And then in Atlanta, again, a lot of the same. Top of the zone, sitting 98 to 100 miles an hour with that fastball, you know, throwing that hard, you know, that hard power-breaking ball of his. Throw, you know, throwing against a bunch of lefties was certainly kind of, it was an unfortunate place in the lineup because I think he would certainly look a little better against righties and particularly tough righties. I mean, when you're going against like Brendan Nimmo, Francisco Lindor, Jeff McNeil, those, those are tough guys to kind of make your debut against as a righty. But he, he certainly he looked the part, and he, his, he's just going to look better and better over time as he kind of gets more acclimated to kind of being there and just kind of getting used to working with a different you know different catchers and understanding what the game plans are against specific hitters and things like that. So I, I, I'm, I'm with you. I think that he deserves to be on the postseason roster. I would certainly put him on it uh, just because they don't have – the thing about the Braves is they do not have that power arm out of the bullpen necessarily. They have guys who I trust – 
but it's not necessarily guys that have like again that kind of the big time fastball and there's just you need at least a, a guy or two in your bullpen that can do that in this day and age and you know Strider seems like he can fit that bill I don't think that's his role long term I do think he's a starter I think that he's you know that especially the development he's made with that change up this year the more familiar he gets with that combined with just kind of he, he's been holding this velocity look he's been pitching a lot this year after not pitching very much over two years because of the injuries that he had and kind of his rehabbing from that plus the shutdown from COVID. And he was holding velocity late in starts late in his time in Mississippi. So I, I, I still think he ends up being a starter, but like if you need a guy for a guy that has this ability to kind of rear back and even get a little bit more coming out of the bullpen and for a team that really could use kind of some fresh blood and maybe a different look at times coming out of the bullpen, he seems like he really fits the bill. So I would certainly put him on there. Um, one other little bit of news and I won't, we're not going to dwell too long on this just because with it, with instructs, it's a kind of a, a weird situation. It's kind of, we don't know exactly what that's going to look like and kind of what that means in this day and age in terms of get the invites. Uh, the Braves instructional roster was announced. If you want to get a full look at what that roster is, you can go to talkingchop.com where we have the guys listed out and kind of some highlights, but some notable additions include Jared, Jared Schuster, William Woods. Jake Higginbotham, Ambiores Tavares is one name that certainly jumped out to me as a guy that was a one that we're really excited to finally be able to see in action, and we're going to certainly be making our calls to kind of see what he's looking like down in Instructs, uh, but it also seems like that kind of positions him to make his debut in full season ball next year. Uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully that's the case anyway. The Braves did not have a Dominican Summer League team this year, so they, he didn't really get to play kind of that organized ball that we would have liked to have seen as one of those, uh, high, high level international free agents. But at the same time, it seems like that he's going to at least be getting a look down there at Instructs. And we should be able to get a sense of kind of what's going on with that. But there's a lot, a lot of names are going to be going down there. And, you know, it seems like the Braves are sending, you know, there's a little bit of overlap here with some guys are going to be making some spending some time down of instructs, uh, as well as kind of some of the names that are kind of floating around as options for the Arizona Fall League. Uh, there's also talk of sending a, a decent chunk of guys to, to various winter ball leagues as well. Not exactly sure how that's going to be, how that's going to be split up over the course of this offseason, but certainly something we're keeping an eye on. But, you know, again, so we, they did announce their instructional league rosters. You can make a look. You can go ahead and go to the site at talkingchop.com if you want to get all the names. It's kind of who's going to be down there at instructs. I don't think it's necessarily indicative of like, you know, wow, that the guys that didn't get invited aren't as highly regarded prospects or anything like that. I think that for instructs this year, it's more about inviting guys that maybe need sort of some specific individualized work as opposed to indicative of any sort of prospect pedigree or anything like that. So, Garrett, it is time to talk about the Gwinnett Stripers circa 2021. This is a strange team, uh, and they had to deal with a lot, a lot of early on in the season. There was a lot of roster bouncing back and forth, you know, particularly with, as the Braves were trying to manage their rotation, uh, guys getting hurt, uh, guys struggling, and then getting sent back down and then going back up again. Let's start with this starting rotation because it certainly started as a strength of this team, and I certainly think it ended as a strength as well. But it wasn't all the same cast of characters uh, as we saw. Guys uh, certainly struggle uh, far more than we thought they would. Others uh, kind of had made some bounce backs. Others kind of surprised us a bit and or got promoted and were much better than we thought they were going to be. So tell me a little bit about the Stripers rotation and kind of what were your thoughts from 2021. Yeah, I think the guy that we've had the most questions on lately and that we're going to continue to get questions on is Kyle Wright. Um, 
And he had, I mean, he undoubtedly, undoubtedly had a fantastic year. You know, he was really the best pitcher in that league all year long. I mean, he, and he was really great at the end of the year. Uh, but I'm not drawing any like, oh, he's a changed pitcher type thing. Like he's, since he was drafted, he's had the stuff to succeed at AAA. So him succeeding at AAA is just kind of what he's supposed to do. And I don't know that he's gotten marginally better at his command and things like that. But I don't think that any of the changes he has made are the things that were his issues in Atlanta. And so I do think that he deserves a chance somewhere, probably not with the Braves. There are just guys ahead of him. I do think that he eventually deserves a chance at the major league level. Uh, but I don't want people looking at those numbers and being like, Kyle Wright, why isn't he in Atlanta? Well, cause he didn't really, none of what he did this year was, a huge change over what he's done in years past. It, it wasn't like a complete revolution of his game. It was just, he's a year older and a little bit better. And um outside of that, there were quite a few prospects that were, we are actually excited about. Um The biggest one at the end of the year was uh Bryce Elder came up for seven starts and was just absolutely fantastic. Had a 2.21 ERA. He, he's, Struck out a lot more guys than we expected, and that kind of started at double A, and he just kept striking out guys a lot more than we expected. He did have his issues with walks towards the end of the year, and I think some of that is he's pitched the most innings of anybody in the minor leagues this year. I think that he is starting to run into some fatigue, and coming from high A to triple A, you know, throughout the year, it's a very different zone. The zone at A ball is just bigger, and so it's kind of an adjustment to make that. And so I don't want to, I'm not reading into him having those issues, but they did exist. And so it's something to watch going into next year. You know, is that going to carry over? I don't expect it will, but it could. And that could be an issue that, you know, come spring training, you know, he might be in a position to make a run at the fifth spot in the rotation. And if those command issues are something that is real and not just a matter of fatigue and, you know, moving up levels, then that's something that will get him put back in AAA. Um, but overall, everything that Elder did this year, between high A all the way up to triple A, was just – he was one of the most surprising prospects. And obviously with guys like Strider and Tarnock, no one is going to be he, – he wasn't that level of surprising. But I don't think that any of us expected him to be that good. And, I mean, I think that there were definitely – I think at the end of the year, there were definitely considerations for, you know, the Braves need a fifth starter. Is it worth bringing him up? And I think they ultimately – didn't do that, but I think that there were times that they were really considering that at a point. Um, the biggest, the biggest prospect on the team was Kyle Muller, uh, both uh, physically and uh, prospect status. Um, and he's a big dude. Yeah, he's yeah, a big dude. He, he's huge. Um, and he, I, he was a ton better than I expected him to be, and I expected him to be fine, but he. At the end of the beginning of the year, he definitely struggled, and the command was really, really bad. And then it got good. He went up to Atlanta and kind of regressed a little bit, and I don't think that when he went down, it ever kind of got back to the level it was when he got called up. And I don't think that he was ever that pitcher. I don't think he was ever that good. I think he was just on a really, really good run. But overall, the strikeouts ticked up again this year. His command became less of an all-the-time problem and more of a – he would go through two or three innings at a time where he would be bad and then two or three innings at a time where he would be good, which is progress. Again, not fantastic, but it was progress. Um, 
He didn't allow a ton of hard hit balls this year. Uh, I mean, overall, he had a really solid year. And, and I think he's, he didn't necessarily greatly exceed expectations. He certainly just didn't disappoint. He's kind of staying the point where now we're looking at a guy that is definitely not a guarantee for a rotation point long, rotation spot long term, but he's a guy that we were kind of more like, you know, 20, 30% chance that he stays as a starter. And now it's more like, you know, in that 50, 60% range where this guy has had some success at the major league level. And I could definitely see him. I definitely see him as a guy that they're going to keep starting for now because he's right now in that mix with guys like Bryce Elder of this is a guy that could make the team out of the spring training next year. Um, and so I, I love what he did this year in terms of his progress of, looking better with his command, just not, you know, there's consistency issues. There's being more efficient and pitching deeper into games, you know, and not, you know, going a hundred pitches and three innings and all of a sudden, you know, he's got to come out of the game. That's kind of been an issue for this year. I don't know if he'll ever be a guy that can go three times to the order. I, I don't expect that he will, but I think being able to get the second, you know, he's struggling to even, get the second time through the order because he's throwing too many pitches. I think that's something that he needs to improve on, but it's something that is part of that progress for him that he's moving in the right direction and he just needs to keep going that direction. Uh, the guy that, you know, we love this year that disappointed was Jacel De La Cruz. And I, I, he's been on the injured list at least twice, I think. It's it was either two or three times this year. I don't think that he was ever healthy this year. Um, he just didn't look right, and he came back at the begin, end of the year, and he was in the bullpen, and he still didn't really look right. You know, I, I don't know fully what's going on there, but it, it's fairly obvious that there was some sort of issue health wise, especially late in the year. But he was just his command regressed significantly, stuff regressed significantly, and it it, it doesn't. That doesn't happen very often without a cause. And with him being a smaller guy, having a violent delivery, you know, you've, you've mentioned in the past, there were questions about his shoulder health in the past. You know, there's definitely a question right now of where his health actually was this year and whether he was healthy. And I think I would like to right now err on the side of optimism and say he probably wasn't healthy. And this was just kind of one of those years that guys have sometime. This is where they just aren't good. Now, I think at, you know, he's 24, which isn't old by any means, but I think that what he showed this year, if he is struggling with injuries right now, the way he's, you know, losing two years really of development at this point, I think he's kind of, his chances as a starter are pretty much gone now. Um, there is a small chance he could make it, but I think that for me, he's just a reliever going forward, which does impact his stock significantly, but I still think that there's talent there. The arm talent is still there. It's just how healthy is he and can he come back next year and kind of get back to what he was in the past where we were really looking at him as one of the top, you know, five or so pitching prospects in the system for a couple of years there. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, in Jesse Oak's case, it certainly he didn't look right. The breaking ball just didn't have that same bite. The fastball just didn't have the same movement. Uh, he was, he, he, he had both command problems and getting hit hard problems, which are like combined is obviously a recipe for disaster. Uh, I'm, I'm with you. I think that until like we see him healthy and we see him kind of revert back to form, 
for me, he's just a relief arm, and that's that. There's nothing wrong with that. These things happen, you know. I think that it's a combination of like I almost prefer him to be hurt, and then he comes back and he can prove that when he's healthy, he's a starter. But when you like have injury issues over the course of a couple seasons, you know, he's not a particularly big guy. You know, is that workload something that he can? endure over the course of multiple seasons is that something that you necessarily want to do is that his best path for success i think that the on talent wise it's a major league arm but you know is his health going to allow for it does his body allow for it is this you know does that mean he's going to be a starter i don't think it necessarily means he has to be um and you know it's a tough thing to have to see a guy just really struggle the way he did and kind of obviously dealing with just not being right um you know in the Gwinnett, the rest of the Gwinnett rotation it seemed like it was being filled out with like you know like Jose Rodriguez was more of an organizational depth piece. Um, you know, Connor Johnstone making his, you know, occasional appearances at the top, you know, starting off games, uh, which is basically what his job is, is just to make starts at any level, regardless of what the level he's supposed to be at. He's just, again, another organizational depth guy. Uh, a guy that I wish we had been able to see more, uh, just he had more injury issues. And honestly, if he hadn't been hurt, we might not have seen him at Gwinnett anyway, is Tucker Davidson, uh, who recently came back. He actually uh, appeared in Gwinnett's last game of the season uh, and did well there. But, you know, what his role is going forward is a big deal, too, because it doesn't seem like that the injury issues are – they don't, it didn't sound like there was long-term problems. We didn't hear any issues, you know, concerns about like he's had to undergo surgery or anything like that. But he certainly was out for a long time. So are we going to see him starting the year at Gwinnett next year? How much are they, how much of a look is are the Braves going to give him in, at the rotation starting going into 2022? We don't actually have an answer to that question. And I really wish he had been able to pitch a little bit more this year because he looked good in his stint in, Gwinnett, in Atlanta. If he had continued to pitch that well, he'd still be in Atlanta. But since we didn't, you know, and vice versa, he could have been gotten seconded on the, the stripers and see if he could work on, you know, get working on those secondaries a bit, you know, what that development is. I just don't know where he is right now as a starter right now to kind of have uh, be able to project much. And, you know, I just kind of wish we'd be able to see that work happen either at the big league level or at Gwinnett this year. But unfortunately, we just weren't allowed to do, we just weren't able to do that because his health didn't allow for it. Uh, we're going to go over relievers and then the position players at Gwinnett. But before we do that, we're going to take a quick break to listen to a word from our sponsors. Support for this podcast comes from Planned Parenthood. Your body is your own. That's why Planned Parenthood is committed to ensuring that everyone has the information and resources they need to make their own decisions about their bodies, including abortion care. Today, lawmakers who oppose abortion are challenging Planned Parenthood Affordable, high-quality, basic health care for more than 2 million people is at stake. Planned Parenthood believes that health care is a basic human right. That's why they fight every day to push for common-sense policies that protect our right to control our own bodies. They also work tirelessly to oppose the onslaught of new policies aimed at interfering with personal decisions best left to patients and their doctors. They won't give up, and they won't back down. You can join Planned Parenthood in the fight to help make sure that the next generation can decide their own futures. The organization needs your support now more than ever. With supporters like you, they can reclaim our rights and protect and expand access to abortion care. Visit PlannedParenthood.org slash future to learn more and support their cause. Support for this show comes from Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Loom help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. 
because individually we're great, but together we're so much better. That's why millions of teams around the world, including 75% of the Fortune 500, trust Atlassian Software for everything from space exploration and green energy to delivering pizzas and podcasts. Whether you're a team of two, 200 or 2 million, or whether your team is around the corner or on another continent altogether, Atlassian Software is built to help keep you all on the same page from start to finish. That way, every one of your teams, from engineering and IT to marketing, HR and legal, can stay connected and move together as one towards shared company-wide goals. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. All right, Garrett, let's talk relievers. Uh, I, we've already talked about Spencer Strider a bit, and frankly, to talk about him as kind of like a, of an important relief piece of the Gwinnett Striper seems a little silly since he made one appearance there. But uh, there have been there's definitely some interesting guys, uh, one of which is going to get called up in Dylan Lee. Uh, other guys at the Equinet that have made varying uh, levels of attempts there uh, before being moved up or down. So talk to me a little bit about the relief core at Gwinnett and kind of how they did this year and who you have your eye on. Yeah, yeah, it's a uh, it's an interesting group in that there wasn't anybody on the roster this year that, like, any of us were particularly like, you know, this is a guy going forward. Like, this is one of the guys for the team, you know, for Atlanta going forward, you know. De La Cruz coming into the season was a guy that we kind of had hoped to be that, but he really wasn't. And then the only other guy on the team that made some appearances this year was, um, uh, um, oh my God, Dysbel Hernandez. Uh, and he did not look very good at the beginning of the year. Um, he looked really bad at the beginning of the year. And then he just kind of, uh, he ended up getting sent down to Mississippi, um, and pitched fine there. I mean, he was fine. Uh, he came back at the end of the year to Gwinnett. He was better. Again, not like fantastic, but he was better. You know, and he's a guy that he throws hard. The command is, we were hoping that the command would take a step forward this year and he would be kind of move into that. This is a relief arm, you know, a major league relief arm going forward. And the command has not made that step forward this year. And until it does, he's probably never going to get to the major leagues um, or not in any significant role at least, but if the command does take a step forward eventually, the stuff is absolutely there for him to be, you know, a setup type relief arm. It's just the command is, you know, is just really, really Mauricio Cabrera type bad. I mean, it's pretty bad. You know, for the most part, the guys that were exciting were guys that kind of had struggles for whatever reason at the major league level, guys like AJ Minter, um, Jacob Webb got sent down, kind of got right, went back up, and they've had decent seasons since then. Um, uh, we saw Tuki Toussaint out of relief at the end of the year, and he's pretty good there. I, I don't know that that's where they want him going forward. You know, it kind of may have been a see what you have from him if he can get into that role for the postseason type thing. But, you know, the the clock is ticking on Toussaint. Yeah, see it. Yeah, see, I disagree. I think that they've, I think that that move has just been made. I think he's just a reliever yeah. now. Uh, the clock is ticking and it may have, he may have run out of time. And I do like him as a reliever. If the stuff ticks up, you know, the fastball ticks up a few miles per hour, 
as a reliever, that's a really exciting arm. He still has to be more consistent with his command, but he has the stuff to he has the stuff to succeed anywhere. And hopefully, in shorter stints, the command is less of an issue. Um, we don't really, obviously, we won't know until he kind of tries. But it, it's definitely he's one to watch going into next year because I he could start at the major league level, but I'm not necessarily expecting it. Um, Dylan Lee, we talked about him earlier. He had a fantastic year. I mean, he's not, again, a exciting arm. He doesn't throw very hard. His stuff isn't going to jump off the page, but he goes out there. He throws strikes. He struck out a lot of guys this year, you know, surprisingly given his stuff, which kind of might just be, you know, triple A bats don't always hit that well, but he's kind of went out and got outs this year. Um, I like that they brought him up. I don't think that he's, you know, he's a middle, you know, kind of an organizational could be a middle relief prospect, but when a guy plays that well and your bullpen is has guys that are replaceable at the major league level, there's no reason not to give that guy a look, right? And I think that Lee earned that look this year. And, you know, going forward, you know, do I think that he's a cornerstone for the franchise? Absolutely not. But I think that he's a guy that's good enough that you feel confident that, hey, if I need a guy, if injuries happen and I need a guy, Dylan Lee, I'm fine with that. Um there were a lot of veterans in the team. The one guy that was uh, younger-ish was Thomas Burrows. He looked really, really, really bad at the beginning of the year. His, his numbers weren't, like, horrible, but he had really bad command issues. And really throughout the year, he had command issues. And I think that – I don't think that any of us are particularly excited about him long term. But towards the end of the year, he struck out a ton of guys this year. 67 strikeouts and 47 and two-thirds innings. It's just – the walks has ticked up so much. He walked 34 guys this year that, you know, if that doesn't change, there's a reason again that like he stayed in AAA the whole year this year. And there's a reason for that. Even when they needed arms at the major level, which Burroughs is a lefty and they have less of a need for left-handed arms. So that played a factor in that. But if he was, if they thought he was good enough to succeed, he would have gotten called up before a guy like Sean Newcomb. And I, I think at this point they don't, trust that his command is going to be good in the major, uh, good enough at the major league level and I can't really blame them for what I saw this year he's not he just hasn't ever since coming into pro ball he has just never gotten better with his command and that's just not going to work at some point he has to take a step forward if he wants to pitch the major league level uh, another ex- uh, semi exciting guy uh, is Juan Lopez he who you know, the Braves got him off of waivers. I think they got him off of waivers. Uh, I might be incorrect on that, but he pitched pretty well for Gwinnett this year. Um, he's, you know, he, he was a top international prospect. The stuff has always been real for him. It's just, there's some mental issues with him. You know, he struggled at the major league level. He's a guy that was definitely worth taking a flyer on and he looked good at AAA this year. He's a guy that I hope that they bring into spring training next year and you know, give him a shot to make that team. Do I think that he is very likely to make that team? No, but he's a guy that's probably worth giving a shot to because the talent for Lopez is real. And if he can get with the right guys and get working with the right guys in the Braves organization, he could legitimately be a guy that can make an impact at the major league level. Yeah, I mean, I think it's somewhat unlikely that 
especially considering the other candidates that are coming up too behind him, because it's not, we're not even just talking about Gwinnett, right? We're talking about like Mississippi where there's guys like that are in their bull, in the bullpen now with Brooks Wilson, with Brendan White, with Indigo Diaz. They're going to be, they're going to be kind of in that kind of contention for those type of organizational promotions into bullpen spots. Uh, plus the guys we've already mentioned, uh, here, you know, when you have, you know, I don't think Strider again starts the season in the bullpen for Atlanta, but you know, you have got a guy like Dylan Lee. Um, I, I don't, I think that Lopez just uh, in terms of what the quality of his stuff is right now, I don't think he's particularly high on the list at all. Um, there's also the lingering, you know, like Lopez broke bones in Dansby's face on purpose when they were both the prospects of the Diamondbacks thing, which is a, like a non-zero consideration when you're starting shortstop is Dansby Swanson. Um, I, I don't, I don't have a great answer to that. I will say that Gwinnett was kind of a fascinating case on the relief side where it just kind of felt like the place. And it, maybe this is just the way that AAA is now. They're not necessarily developing their own internal relief prospects a whole lot. It's just where they kind of stash, you know, quad a reliever relievers that they kind of either claim off waivers, sign as minor league free agents, uh, collecting trades is just kind of, you know, like in cash deals, just to kind of hoard relievers that maybe you figure out something about them or, you know, maybe they, they have, you know, they, they decide they want to show up and they want to make sure they make the major leagues again. Um, but they aren't good enough to make the major league level. And we saw that a lot with the Braves this year. I mean, the, the, the Jay Flaws of the world, the Tanner Rourke's, the just guys like that. They just kind of, we were seeing a lot of those kind of guys getting stashed at Gwinnett just to kind of see what maybe what they could do. And, you know, they, it worked out reasonably well. You know, they get a guy like Dylan Lee and, you know, I don't know if he's necessarily, you know, guys throwing like low nineties and none of his pitches are like super exciting, but he knew the guy knows how to pitch and maybe there's a role for him going forward. If maybe they liked what they saw, but if they really liked what they saw, he probably would have gotten an opportunity already. Uh, and then it was also the place where like they kind of sent back the guys who were struggling as pitching prospects to kind of convert them into relievers and see what happens. I mean, we've seen that with Sean Newcomb. That seems to be what's happening with Tukey. It's what's happened now with Jesse Aldela Cruz. So, like, the relief core at Gwinnett's, for Gwinnett isn't anything super exciting, but I don't necessarily think that that's the role of AAA, particularly on the relieving side, but there's it, there's something to be said, too, about how, like, the rotations in a lot of ways are handled now, and even somewhat on the pitching, on the position player side, we saw the Braves stashing guys that, again, they decide in the minor league deals, like backup outfielders and backup infielders, and they just want those guys around just in case something happens because they know they at least can function as baseball players somewhat. You know, it's kind of like just extending their bench a bit, and with Gwinnett just down the road, it was just really easy to call them up, as opposed to kind of like that last step in development, where which is what the AAA kind of used to be. We're still seeing some of those promotions being made. And we, like, there's some high-profile prospects at Gwinnett, particularly in the, you know, this, it, both in the rotation as well on the position player side, but it does seem like, you know, even when relievers, this is especially true, it just seems like, what AAA has become for, I think, a lot of organizations is kind of an extension of a team's roster depth that they can, if they, especially if their affiliates are relatively close to the home team, that they kind of just use that as kind of a win in doubt. Let's just have guys that, you know, would be okay with filling in in case of injuries or whatever and have them close by just to get them moved up. Um, and that brings us to the position player side. And again, there's, this is kind of where a couple of more exciting prospects in Christian Pache, who struggled in his major league. You know, the time this year was hurt, and then he went back down to Gwinnett and looked a lot better as he kind of shortened his swing up. Drew Waters had a tough season, but, you know, again, still kind of a really highly regarded prospect in his own right. So, Garrett, 
talk to us a little bit about this position player group of Gwinnett, kind of what you saw, um, and are you kind of like concerned with how AAA is kind of being used now? They're not necessarily promoting guys from AA to AAA, at least not for very long, um, to give them the development there, and it's kind of more just kind of treated as kind of a, a backup clubhouse, I guess is the best way I know how to describe it. I'm, I'm not drawing too many conclusions on how they promoted guys this year because really, other than, you know, Langelier is coming up for like a week, they didn't promote any position players this year. They promoted Grissom for a week and they promoted Langelier for a week. And, you know, those are your two best hitters in the system. They got a week at another level. I, I don't think that they were, I think with the weirdness of last season, they just kind of put guys there and just left them at their levels all year. Um, and I don't think that necessarily anybody other than Grissom and Lingolias really pushed the issue either. So I'm not reading too much in how to, and how it was used. Um, triple A for the Braves has kind of always been a weird spot where there's usually like only a couple of guys anyways that were really excited. Cause once you get to triple A, like, you either know that the guy's going to be good or you don't. So there's usually a few guys in there, like this year, a guy like Demerit, Alex Jackson, guys like that were like, they were prospects, but like we figured out at this point, you know, it's starting to work out. Um, as for the guys that were actually like good for them, um, sorry, I'm just, um, William Contreras will start off with, um, after he went out, went down from Atlanta, he looked Really, really good. And I think that there was some, you know, obviously there are concerns defensively and he did not look any better defensively at the AAA level this year. Uh, I think that that's just going to be an adjustment to the new catching stance and all of that. That's just going to take time if it really ever comes for him. But, you know, for Contreras, like there were definitely concerns with how he approached the ball at the major league level, but he was a 23 year old who had never played above AA. And if you, if you have a guy with an, you know, a catcher with an 873, OPS at AAA that's 23 years old, that's extremely exciting. And that's what he did this year. So I kind of – I like what he did this year. He kind of went through stretches where he would strike out a lot and then stretches where he would do really well. Again, at AAA, you kind of expect that sort of inconsistency. And he did – but he kind of – he looked a lot better on sliders once he went down to AAA level. And again, AAA sliders are nothing like major league sliders. But he did look better on them. He was more patient on them. He laid off of them more often. He looked more like the guy that we saw coming up through the system that hit really, really well. The power was developing. And he made progress in the right direction. Will he stick at catcher? That is a question, obviously. And especially with Langoliers, you know, he looked – Langoliers shook out a bit at the end of the year when he got promoted. But he, when he was making contact, he was hitting the ball fairly hard. I don't – obviously don't read into like four games of play from him. But he held his own at the level, or he seemed to at least um, – so that's going to be an interesting debate, but I think that Contreras, for his part, did what he needed to do this year at the AAA level. You know, we're talking about Drew Waters. Waters was really, really bad at the beginning of the year. He was really, really good for like a month, and then he was really, really bad. And then kind of at the end of the year, he was just okay. And then overall this year, he was just okay. I, he – there's so much going on with him with his approach and kind of – He's trying to figure out what he needs to do as a hitter to succeed at the major league level. And he's getting caught in between with his approach and all of this. And he's just not, he's not ready to hit at the, at really the triple A level because he's not, 
he doesn't know his game plan the way that the pitchers do. Every pitcher he goes against at this point is experienced enough that they know how they want to attack pitchers and attack hitters. And I don't think that Waters knows how he wants to attack the ball and he gets caught in between a lot. He'll go through a week where he's working deep counts and drawing a lot of walks. And then he'll go through weeks where he's swinging at the first pitch every single time. And that's a concern for him that he has to figure out fairly quickly because there's guys coming up that are going to take outfield spots. It's a crowded outfield situation now. It's going to be a crowded outfield situation going forward. And if he wants to separate himself from that pack, he has to show that he can approach the game of baseball and hit uh, experienced pitching, and he hasn't done that yet. The the athletic talent is still there. He's looked fantastic in center field this year. He's making fewer mistakes. He still makes a few too many, but he's making fewer mistakes. His arm looked great this year. He made some great throws out there. He had some, you know, we had some weirdness with his injury, you know, where we weren't sure if he was always healthy. But for the most part, you know, there were stretches throughout the year where you could tell that he was hitting the ball hard like he does in the past. So there were definitely positives in terms of his walk rate did go up, stuff like that. But overall, I do question whether he has an approach at the plate, whether he knows what he wants to do. Um And that's not what you want to see from a guy that we kind of coming into the year expected, like this is going to be the guy next year. This is going to be a guy that should be in the um, starting lineup next year. It, he, he's not going to be that. He's going to be a triple A next year, which is going to be really his third. You know, he's been in triple A now since 28, 2019, which is a long time. And obviously there's weirdness and development there, but like, at some point, he has to show something or his time is going to run out with the Braves and they're going to move on. Uh, and, and I don't think that that time is any time soon, but he, he hasn't shown progress in terms of his approach. And at the beginning of the year, he seemed like he was making it and then it all kind of went away. And so I just don't know what to think of his game at this point. Uh, I hope it gets better. I like Drew a lot. I'm probably the highest on Drew out of all of the guys at Talking Chop, but I, I I can't deny that there are issues with the way that he approaches the game. The biggest positive was Christian Pache. You know, it, he obviously was terrible at the major league level, but when he went down to AAA, once they got his swing fixed, they got him more upright in his stance and all that, he started handling low and inside pitching well, handling everything down in the zone better, and he hit the ball hard. Now, he went through stretches. You know, at the end of the year, he was just kind of okay, but overall, through the last half of the year, he was one of the two or three better hitters on that team. He was showing more power. He was striking out less. You know, the strikeouts are still too much, but he was striking out less, and he doesn't – he overall this year was an above above league average hitter. And if he's even um, 80, 85 WRC plus guy at the major league level, like that's a above average center fielder because of how good he is defensively and nothing has changed there. And the progress that he made at the AAA level has kind of reinvigorated that excitement of not only could this guy hit enough to play at the major league level, this could guy could hit enough to make a – level of impact in the major level. He could be, if he's an average hitter at the major level, that's one of the better center fielders at the league in the league, given how good of a hit of a defender he is. And so I think that he's made, he did everything that he needed to do this year to show that he deserves a spot next year. Now, depending on what guys they bring back, he might not get a spot out of spring training next year, but he has renewed the confidence in saying, yeah, this is a guy going forward that you can trust to, be one of those three guys for the next five or so years. Uh, I love what Pache did this year. There are definitely still concerns, you know, approach, stuff like that. But 
he's ahead of where I expected him to be, given how bad he was he was at the major league level. Um, and then beyond that, there's a bunch of guys that are kind of just organizational guys that did really, really well this year. Um, Johan Camargo was one of the better hitters in the entire system. He led the entire Braves minor league system in WRC plus batting average. Uh, I think it was like third in on base percentage. He destroyed the ball this year. Um, I don't think that Johan Camargo is a major league player, uh, but he hit very well at the AAA level and, and Guys like Orlando Arcia hit well at the AAA level. The guys like Travis Demerit hit well at the AAA level, which kind of concerns you given that <laughs> Drew Waters and Christian Pache didn't hit that well. Uh, that these guys that are definitely not major league hitters hit fairly well. But I mean, overall, it's, there are a bunch of guys that hit well enough that you think like in an absolute emergency, it's not hopeless. You know, these are guys that could come up and give you major league at bats. They're not going to be good ones, but like, they might, if the, you need them for like a week or two, they wouldn't like completely embarrass the organization. They hit really well this year. Uh, just none of the guys like did anything that make me makes me think like that's a game changer for their career. Yeah, and that those kind of those injury replacements and those fill-ins that end up what happening with the Braves, right? Like you know, Pache goes down, obviously struggles at the major league level, and then he gets hurt. And then obviously Ronnie gets hurt, Marcelo Zuna gets hurt, and then he gets arrested. So they had to lean on guys like Guillermo Heredia and Abraham Almonte. Those are guys, and Orlando Orcio was another guy who ends up getting called up. You know, those are what they the Braves acquired for those guys. For they end up being important pieces. Now in Almonte's case, you know he was certainly playing well above his pay grade uh, at. Uh, at a Gwinnett, and you know he had a couple moments in Atlanta, but Guillermo already has turned into kind of a really important bench piece for Atlanta, which has been a really kind of a fun thing to have happen because he's hysterically funny, uh, and he's also a good defensive replacement. And I, I, you don't hate him up there, you know, as a pinch hitter either. And you know, Arcia's kind of had you know, some some good moments uh, here and there as a pinch hitter, and is kind of a fill in here and there as a backup infielder. I have my doubts about Camargo in general just because of, you know, he's had so many opportunities literally handed to him and he has never done anything with them. So I'm, I'm pretty skeptical of like how his numbers would translate at the major league level, but he did have a really nice season. Um, you know, I, I, I agree that Pache made some really big adjustments at the play. I think he needs to hit a little better than an 80 or 85 WRC plus. I think that if he's in that 90 to 100 range, then the Braves are really happy with him simply because, you know, he, he can be a, a slightly below average hitter at the major league level. With that defense, he's going to be a really valuable player. But, you know, we've, we've seen like how much a guy can struggle at the plate with good defense. Like I don't necessarily anyone's really excited to see Ender and Ciarte, uh in a, in a lineup again for the, for the Atlanta Braves. Right. Um, and that's kind of a, a different example just because of what kind of type of hitter Ender was. But I guess the point getting is I think he's going to hit a have to hit a little bit more than that, but I think he will. And I think that he's made those adjustments. He seems really coachable making those adjustments again, being more upright, quicker to the ball, uh, shorten the swing up a little bit, uh, still hitting for power, working the other way, I think was a big thing for him too. Those line drives that I was seeing him hit to right field was a, a big deal for me just because he was just so pull happy. A lot of ground balls to short or ground balls to third, uh, out of Pache and he just needs to be able to do more than that, work the, work the entirety of the field. He doesn't have to do a ton. 
to be a valuable player. You know, just hit, you know, being a singles and doubles guy, occasionally running into one, he has the power to kind of, you know, go on stretches where he can hit a few home runs. But if, as long as he can kind of be that even like slightly below average hitter with that defense, again, this is one of the better defenders in minor league baseball, period. In Christian Pache. He just doesn't have to do all that much. I think that once you kind of get into that, you know, get, once your WRC plus ends up in the eighties, then you're like, you're really kind of losing a lot of the value that you're putting on, you know, putting on the field defensively. But, you know, he does, again, you can be slightly below average hitter and that's still a really valuable player, particularly with the kind of upside that Pache has. You know, Waters, he's such a frustrating player for me. I mean, he has, has all these tools in the world, but I, I tend to agree with you. It just seems like he doesn't really know what he wants to do. Um, and it's not for a lack of, you know, like, it's not lack of preparation. It's not, you know, physical limitations or anything like that. It's just that it seems like he seems like he doesn't, he seems lost at times. And I hope that maybe because of that injury, you know, oblique injuries are kind of tricky in terms of how long they can linger. And maybe he just hasn't always felt right all year long. And that kind of resulted in him kind of like having good days and bad days when he was feeling better and worse. And, you know, that kind of changed what he was wanting to do at the plate. But overall, I still like the talent there, but he's definitely been downgraded in my mind for sure. Um, I, I, the time at, the time at Gwinnett thing, you know, in terms of how long he's been there, that doesn't seem, that's not entirely fair. He like got promoted at the end of 2019. 2020 season didn't happen. Um, and then 2021, uh, he didn't, he didn't look good in, in a full season of worth of work. And I don't think the Braves necessarily need him next year because I think that between Ronnie's return event you know when uh, which we assume will be happening relatively early in the 2022 season uh and then you have Pache as a potential option and then they have a lot of these other guys that they have kind of on the roster now they might be bringing those back guys back to play roles uh, to fill in until Ronnie gets back and all that those are all options available too Adam Duvall is hanging out there as an option as well I think that they don't necessarily need him to be ready but it sure would be nice that he could come out next year in 2022 and seems like he's hit then seems like he'd be hitting the ball really well beyond that i mean the roster was like you know yomer sanchez was again kind of the backup one of the backup infielder types in case ozzy got hurt you know then there was orlando arcia travis demerit is just kind of an outfield bat that they, they they knew well he hit well this year too um uh, but they they knew him because he had developed in the system for a while uh comes back from the tigers and Again, I got just a bat that they know, and in case that something else happens in the outfield and they like need another backup outfielder beyond what they had already called up, then he was an option available for them. Again, not necessarily a prospect, but a guy that they kind of understand and know, and they wouldn't necessarily hate putting in there if they really, really need him to. Just a lot of that, those sorts of guys, right? Just kind of organizational filler types that, well, that, that, can call up as a quad A player in a pinch with some spring real sp- prospects like Pache, Contreras, Waters, and then obviously the starting the starting rotation guys that we've already talked about. Just a lot of veteran guys, and I I understand the usage of this way, considering how they are how close they are to Atlanta. Uh, I I just wonder kind of what that with Mark with as this organ reorganization of minor league baseball continues, I wonder if this is just going to become the norm is that everything developmentally wise becomes smaller. Like instead of that, you know, going from the Gulf coast league to the Appy league to low a high a, and kind of making your way through all those that, that they're trying to shorten that length of time. And that triple a ends up being, you know, if they feel like a guy really needs some more time, that they will put them in triple A. But a lot of times what will happen is that double A is kind of the new, like, you know, if they're good enough at double A, then they're probably good enough to get called up. And then that, that whatever time they spend in triple A is for like service time manipulation, 
uh, slash, you know, being doubly sure, getting him in the hands of a different coach or something like that, uh, and then just kind of calling him up. Because that's kind of what we're seeing. We're just not seeing top prospects spending a ton of time in AAA. At least that's what it feels like it's been for Atlanta for a while. Um, Garrett, I think that's pretty much all we have to cover, man. Is there anything else you want to share with folks before we let him go? No, man. I, I just – it's definitely keep an eye on, you know, kind of our content going forward with as we go through the levels because – this wasn't the most exciting level, but trust me, the next two are great. Uh, I want to emphasize the next two. Uh, after that, you don't want to know. But the next two are going to be fun um, and definitely keep an eye on Talking Chop. You know, like I said, we're going to do some end of season. I think we're going to do some end of season wrap-up stuff there. You know, article-wise, we're going to be doing some, uh, like I said, we're going to be doing Arizona Fall League coverage. So it's over, but it's not over. You know, keep your eyes open because we have more coming for you. Yeah, uh, I didn't list Garrett to handle the Arizona Fall League coverage. Uh, that actually starts next week, which is kind of wild to me. Uh, is that right? Like, is it next week or is it maybe next weekend? Uh, yeah, I think it's next week. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's next week. I think it starts on the 14th. Um, and we're going to be putting those updates, uh, weekly on the, on what the, how the Braves guys are doing every Monday. Is that when that's going to be going up? Uh, we're also going to have an Arizona primer, Arizona Fall League primer that's going to be going up, uh, soon. Uh, I actually got a reminder about that today to make sure we get that out as soon as we can once we kind of get to know who's going to be from the Braves on the Arizona Fall League roster. So we're going to be kind of having an explanation of kind of how the fall, Arizona Fall League works. Uh, the players that are going to be in it from the Braves and, you know, links to schedules and all that stuff. So if you really are needing your prospect fix, you're going to be able to do it. Uh, you'll be able to find it. Garrett is 100% right. We are going to be doing end of year stuff. Uh, I'm sure it might, might end up being some roundtable type things. We love doing those kind of those collaborative efforts amongst the whole, the whole staff. Uh, there, I will say though that there will be no show, uh, Road to Atlanta specifically next week for a couple reasons. One, uh, with the playoffs going on, it just kind of gets a little bit, a little bit hairy with kind of scheduling out know, podcasts amidst all that. And more importantly, I will be traveling starting this Friday. So you actually won't be hearing me much at all over the course of the next week or so just because I'm going to be traveling, going out of town to spend some time with my family. And as a result, I'm actually going to be on the road while the first round of the playoffs is going to be happening. And, you know, that's going to be kind of painful for me. But at the same time, uh, I, I well earned and well and a welcome rest for me and spending some time with some family I haven't seen in a long time. So yeah, that won't be a Road to Atlanta show this week, but there's going to be podcasts on the stream that are going to be wrapping up each of the playoff games. Uh, the great Brad Roland and Sean Coleman, Scott Scott. And I'm sure there's going to be other guests that are going to be popping in. There are going to be some new voices for you guys to listen to as well as we kind of wind down our the 2021 season and talking about this playoff run that the Braves are on. I do want to make sure to thank every one of our listeners and our readers for supporting the site. Uh, if you haven't subscribed to the podcast yet, make sure you search Talking Chop on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, whatever your preferred podcast purveyor is. And make sure you subscribe to the podcast. You get this podcast. You get the Talking Shop flagship show as well as the Daily Hammer um, and you get three podcasts on that feed or kind of whatever sort of brave sticks you need fit need. You will get it on this feed. I assure you, we thank you all so much and until next time we'll see you on the road. Support for this podcast comes from planned parenthood. It's hard to imagine a world where we leave future generations with fewer rights and freedoms. Since the Supreme Court's decision to overturn Roe v. Wade, politicians in nearly every state have introduced bills aimed at blocking people from getting the essential sexual and reproductive care they need, including abortion. Planned Parenthood believes everyone deserves access to care. And with supporters like you, they can reclaim our rights and protect and expand access to abortion care. 
Visit PlannedParenthood.org slash future to learn more and support their cause. Support for this show comes from HubSpot. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Doing business has never felt harder. But you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You just need HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this. High-quality leads, fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle. It's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.